So then once you find those movements that are bothering the most, you tell them to avoid them like the plague. Oh, yeah, right? man. Don't ever bend over. <laughs> yeah. You'll bulge your disc and pinch nerve and <laughs> yourself. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of... Coaches on couches. Bing slouches. Today we've got Clay Jones, Sarah Michael on the couch today from 901 PT. We're gonna be talking about back pain. Back pain. Pain in the back. Yeah. Uh, we'll save neck for I, a different time. Yeah, I thought you were gonna break into song. <laughs> here. Say- I was counting on it. <laughs> we'll spare we'll spare the listeners my singing. Yeah. So we're gonna go over some of the common causes. Uh, treatments, some of the myths, all that kind of stuff surrounding back pain in regards to endurance athletes today. So uh, before we get to that, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete.com, all up on that Instagram at BPC Performance and wherever you get your podcasting from. Yeah, face for radio. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is, search for it. I get it from my phone. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we've got Clay and Tara on the couch today, or they're actually on the chairs. So, uh, but first of all, guys, just tell us kind of uh, your background. You know, two physical therapists. Uh, you know. Where are you at in life? Why did you choose physical therapy? Where am I at in life? Do you have to go to school for that? Uh, (laughs) Whatever philosophical things you've got flowing through your head. I'm right now. I'm 40. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I'm Clay and I'm Memphis born and raised. Same for Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to physical therapy school. I went, grew up here at ECS. I was an incredible athlete, kindergarten through third grade. Ooh, um, and then uh, my athletic abilities started tanking, and everybody <laughs> got taller than me and bigger than me. Um, but I've got a really big, tall trophy when I was like a third grade. We were undefeated. There so, we anyways, go. go. Which sport was this? Soccer. Nice. Um, yeah, played sports throughout school. Um, basketball, baseball, soccer. Um, did some cross country for a little bit. And then got into high school, played a little bit of soccer was good at first and sat the bench and then I played co you know, uh, in the colleges for fun, that kind of stuff. Um, but went to PT school here in, um, UT in Memphis, graduated in 2008. We got our doctorate of physical therapy. when did you graduate, Sarah? Uh, 2015. Yep. Um, after graduating 2008, I went out to Seattle to do a sports medicine and spine fellowship. Was out there for several years. Um, and then moved back to Memphis because this is where I'm from and I have four kids and we needed help. I was like, I can't yeah. continue to yeah. do this on my own. <laughs> my wife is amazing. Um, and we just, we, we have a lot of family here in town. So we wanted to come back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I did that and was, I've been a physical therapist, different clinics throughout the city and I've had great experience at all of those. But then about five years ago, I decided I kind of want to do my own thing. Um, and just really wanted to provide a different experience. And in and, and some part, I wanted to really focus on the more active individual. Yep. Or at least I wanted to get people more active. Uh, one of my mentors would say, if you have a human body, you're an athlete. So I don't want to say at 9OPT, we only treat like high-level athletes. We do see a lot of that. But we want to encourage anybody who wants to move to be moving. Mm-hmm. So I started my business because I really wanted to focus on that. Um, and so we can really encourage people moving um, and doing it for fun and doing it at high level. So it's a little bit about me, Dr. Yeah. Sarah. Um, like you said, I'm from here too. Uh, so I grew up here. I was a, a competitive tennis player growing up. So I played pretty much tennis from six to 18. That was a lot of tennis. Um, and that was pretty much year round. So by the time I was 18, I, I didn't want to look about, like, look at tennis. Oh, yeah. You say, do you still play tennis? No, I don't. Play I didn't tennis. know she played uh, tennis and I worked there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she would not even was, speak of it. I no. just, you know, it was, it was a lot. I was very burnout. I talk um, about my last, childhood. Like oh, I was years. an incredible soccer player as a second grader. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but that was, that was kind of my, my sport background. 
Um, and in terms of, I always loved the outdoors. So my dad, um, started taking me backpacking through the Pacific Northwest. So I started at an early age. I think I went on my first trip at 11. Um, and then, uh, uh, by I think I was let's see eighteen or nineteen um, and did my first uh, we did a glacial ascent like a mountaineering ascent um, and so that's kind of I I got into how I guess I got into a more of an endurance side of things um, I still prefer kind of trail off road you know type stuff obviously no large mountains but that's largely <laughs> geographical yeah uh, exactly so um, so now yeah uh, I don't know if a few years ago. Um, I had kind of run on and off, you know, after I, I stopped playing tennis, running was just kind of something I kept up with. And I did that, um, kind of lackadaisically mm-hmm. in college and, um, went to PT school here. Like, uh, yeah, got my doctorate in 2015, um, worked a few different places and then actually reconnected with clay. And that's how I kind of came on board. Um, and that's when then I started really kind of, um, getting into more, you know, specific endurance training, um, around, around that time. Both of us in our prior jobs, um, the work-life balance wasn't there. And one of my favorite things when I started this, this non-OMPT was like, what's going to be best for patients. What's also best for us as a team. And we really emphasize if we're going to, do this we want to practice what we preach and so Mm -hmm. all of us have really put more time into our own um athletic and just enjoyment leisure activities and that kind of stuff but particularly doing the things also that we treat that was something that i've always grown up playing sports but i was never consistent in anything for kids craziness doing my fellowships and stuff but then when i started this i was like i've got to know more and more about it um and so i've i've got more into like kind of the CrossFit style of lifting and uh, training Iron Tribe, different places I've been just throughout the years. Um, and I started getting more into running with 5Ks and stuff. And then this past year, I ran my first half marathon at St. Jude. So I was like, I've got to do more longer distance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that this past year, and that was awesome. And have continued to keep working on that running this year. Um, but Sarah in particular, when she came on, she really just got into the running. Um, and it's just been awesome to like see to her. Like, Things like bloom and that, like she's just really taken off. It's been fun uh, to see how she's been doing that. And yeah. all the therapists at our clinic, whether it's Olympic weightlifting or endurance running or uh, some cycling, different things like that. We just all have really want to, you know, practice what we preach and get active. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's, I've said this a million times is it, so like the best, some of the best coaches out there are the ones that can like show you what, to do correctly, mm-hmm. you know, versus just explaining it yeah. or just have, have the wealth of, uh, or a background to where, however, this athlete or this patient is going to understand it. You have the ability to either do it visually, you know, yeah. telling them how to do it, showing them how to do it, that sort of thing. So no, that's, that's a, in, in our opinion, my opinion, that's a pretty, that's well, a strong suit, uh, yeah, for sure. I don't and like even going, going to, through it yourself. Like yeah. going through training <laughs> yeah. is a lot different than prescribing yeah. training. Yes. So if we're just sitting on the sidelines and writing up plans for our athletes, but never really experiencing, what does it mean to train for ten hours when you have three, four kids, like right, and, and right. a job and a business, and like yeah. that's the, a whole level of stresses that in, unless you're going through it, also you don't really get the full picture. Yeah. And human bodies, as you guys know well, are complicated things. Right. Um, There's a lot of interconnected parts. And then when you start adding the brain into all that and psychology and everything else that can be going on. Oh yeah. um, A massive, a massive difference there. I got hurt. Um, the other thing we have a lot of experiences, we try to hurt ourselves in as many ways as possible. Please tell me it was your back. (laughs) This will be our segue. No, really. I I had a stress fracture in high school. Um, was told, Oh, it's just your muscle. Don't worry about it. And then had chronic back issues for about 10 years. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with that. Um, but yeah, when you get hurt, I've been able to, whether it's my knee, when I started running for the first time a few years ago and doing too much too soon, you learn a lot of stuff, oh, yeah. um, hurting toward part of my adductor muscle, squatting heavy last year and having to come back from that stuff. So yeah, like doing it, you realize, oh yeah, these things happen and mm-hmm. you learn a lot of how to then communicate, relate to your patients and it makes a huge difference. For yeah, sure. for sure. And you feel like what things you're like, I mean, what things am I okay training through? I mean, I've had I've had things that I'm like, I'm not stopping. Like, mm-hmm. I'm okay. You know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't feel it, but I'm, I know, like, 
you know, so understanding what somebody, what it's like to, to train through something. And then also understanding when that, that red light hits when you, I've had the, I have had the ones that have sidelined me and I've had ones that I'm like, I'm going to, um, plowing through. Right. So it's, you, you can experience that. Um, and then, you know, that way, I mean, like you're, you can, you can relate to your patient. Um, and truly it's fun. Like, it's just fun you doing these things and then you go there and you watch other people succeed at the same time. Right. Like, you know, when I've done races and that's a big victory for myself, it's fun to watch the people cross the finish line that, you know, you've like, you've played a part in, um, in their victory and getting able to celebrate that Mm -hmm. with them. Um, had a lot of patients pass me the Buffalo. It's fun. (laughs) I'm glad I helped her out. (laughs) Most of them are way better at me Uh, me at things. Um, but, um, now if you're in the same age group as them, does that change your, your treatment protocol? Do you sort of (laughs) sabotage or no? I do yeah. not recommend you uh, doing the race this weekend. Right. Yeah, if you're in age group between 40 and 45, don't come see me. Go see yeah. Sarah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Trade off. Right? Well, let's sort of jump into the the back pain stuff. Right. So yeah. something when we were chatting with you all about uh, coming on the podcast with us, um, we were like, what is one of the things you see the most with endurance low athletes? Back. You know, low back pain was is something we see a lot. You know, some of our athletes end up going through it. I know you guys see it a lot. So just kind of dive into it. You know, back pain can mean a lot of things. So what are you know, some of those common causes, how do you identify if someone comes to you and says, Hey, Hey, my, my low back hurts. What, what do you both end up doing from there? Yeah. I mean, like you said, low back issues are the most common thing that we see for any thing, whether you're sitting on your butt too much or active athletes, it's just a really common thing. I think a lot of it does come back to the fact that in our society, we do sit so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, that can be a damning thing, if you will, to our low back in particular, because it sets up bad habits and bad patterns. So yeah, when people come in to see us with low back pain, it's a gamut. It's not, it's, you know, low back pain is been studied so much and we always try to pinpoint one particular tissue or uh, structure and uh, it's, it's one biomechanical fault or this one muscle. And it's just not that simple. Like it's one link in a chain yeah, that's right. bad. It's, as it's convoluted. Um, for us, we, it's even, it's also not just the biology, the biomechanical side of things for us, we really focus on the biopsychosocial. So that's a, um, a way of seeing things that has really changed how I treat in the past decade, the bio being, you have to look at the biology, you have to look at the, what tissue is going, what muscle, what joint, what, uh, the biomechanics of the movements, but you also have to look at the psychology of an injury. Uh, how much is someone afraid of their back? Mm-hmm. Have they been told you've got a disc bulge, you can never run again, or they think that they're wearing the back the more they stay on the bike. Um, the social side of it, hey, I'm used to riding with a group of individuals and now I can't because I have to stay at home because I can't ride and how much that affects them and affects your psychology or the fact that they they see themselves as this high-level athlete and then they get hurt. Like All that gets wrapped up into someone's experience of pain, almost the back, low back more than anything else um, because it can be hard to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, and so you have to take... For, so when we see people come, when we have athletes come and see us, we start off with this bigger approach. Okay. Look at the whole system, look at the whole person, not just let's find that facet joint or that hip yeah. that's tight. It's we're going to do that due diligence too, but we have to look at the biopsychosocial factors, their nutrition, their sleep, their stress, their fear of the pain they have coming into. So it's really, it's, it's a lot that you have to look into for low back to really tackle a, a true you know, particularly if it's a chronic back issue. Yeah. If it's hurts, you know, in the, if it's something short and acute, that can be pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But if it's a chronic back issue, yeah. that can be a lot harder to, you have to, you have to kind of dive through all that stuff. But I'll even the, still with that short, oh, sorry. Uh, I, I would say, I'll be the first to tell you that uh, long-term endurance athletes are head cases. <laughs> They're all head cases. <laughs> yes, they cases. are. <laughs> They're all, yeah. That is true, Dan. We are all head cases. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's, yeah, there's a lot there, but I, I think that, even those people with the that short term that acute scenario, mm-hmm. right? Like the how they're treated initially shapes if they're going to end up in that in that chronic boat. Um, you know, so if you treat that that acute thing really well on the front end, um, I mean, there's there's such a large implication of like your what you're potentially saving them from um, in terms of it turning into yeah. a, a chronic issue. Uh, yeah, anybody coming to us, particularly an endurance athlete. 
with a back issue, we're always going to start with, well, how can we keep you moving as much as possible? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we're, we're not going to sideline you. We're not going to sideline you. There's some instances when I hurt my back, uh, lifting heavy a couple years ago. Yes. I had to sideline myself for about a week where I just was not moving well. And I was, I was going through a whole lot of movement based stuff that was rehab things. I wasn't sitting on my butt and just hoping it would heal mm-hmm. and taking medication. So I was doing a lot of movement based stuff, but I couldn't go running. Um, I needed to give the the tissues some healing time, let that calm down. And I couldn't go uh, lift weights right now. So I had to let it, I had to sideline myself for a little bit, but I'm talking like a week or so, but I, but as soon as possible, even during that week, what are other things we can doing, be doing to keep you moving? Um, because that, that really does dictate someone's healing is if you get them moving as soon as possible. And there's speaking of myths that we'll probably get to later. There's this myth that particularly with low back, it can be so much, there's so much fear around, Oh, I've got shooting back pain. Maybe it's going to my leg. Don't move. I'm going to pinch a nerve. It's a nerve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I'm, you know, it's my back's going to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to move. There's so much fear. Like I say, no, we've got to really get you moving from the beginning, whether it's a joint issue, a muscle issue, a disc issue, a nerve issue, which we tease through, we have to find ways. What is that movement approach that we can take to get you moving? So as physical therapists, we look at not, and we, we do focus on the specific, uh, issue what's causing the pain but it's more about what is that movement approach that we have to take to um that's the real key for figuring out low back pain it's it's what movements are they going to respond best to gotcha Uh, that's the real key and so that is something when they come in say it's day one are you going through like a questionnaire where you're trying to get the yes the full roundabout of what the person is what their lifestyle has been like that, one thing that, that we, psychosocial side of things yes, yeah really so. and then going into a, more of a movement yes, analysis yeah. with them it's you start off with what's we do an in-depth subjective history so we're going to spend particularly if it's chronic we're going to spend 30 minutes 45 mm-hmm. minutes talking uh sometimes because we really want to figure out what are what started it yeah Did this start 10 years ago what's your history tell me about your nutrition tell me about your sleep tell me about your stress Tell me about the prior treatments that you've had, MRIs that you've had. What do you think about that? We're listening for how they feel about their back to, to assess those psychosocial issues. But then the bio, the bio part of it, yeah, we need to figure out, is this someone who is going to respond better to being on, for endurance athletes, do we need to keep them on the bike? They're going to respond better to that versus running. Mm-hmm. Some back issues like, no, no, that's flexed sitting position on in the saddle for too long is going to bother it. Hey, let's keep you running. Let's get you swimming. Um, so we're, so we're listening at first for what movements, what positions bother them the most. Mm-hmm. And then that sends us down the pathway of now let's take you through a movement exam. Gotcha. And we're going to look at their lower back. We're going to look at their mid back. Yeah. We're going to look at their hips, their knees, their ankles. We're going to test, you know, from the full spine, particularly for, for athletes the, into the legs um, we're going to, we're going to check so many different things, particularly if it's a chronic issue, you have to look above and below, uh, the joint and physical therapy. We call it regional interdependence. The different regions all depend on each other. Yeah. They're interdependent. So you, particularly with the back, you got to look at the hips. You've got to look at the mid back, the thoracic spine. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that goes into the bio part of yeah. really getting into the, the heart of the different causes of low back pain. So then once you find those movements that are bothering the most, you tell them to avoid them like the plague. Oh, yeah, right? man. Don't ever bend over. <laughs> yeah. You'll bulge your disc and pinch nerve and <laughs> yourself. So go, see the, go see the ortho. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it is more about, it's, I think a, a key there is instead of going, instead of thinking rest, right, it's more about optimal loading. Like that's kind of the, the sweet spot of what you're looking for is you're looking for ways to continue to load it because uh, the, the load itself stimulates healing, right? It stimulates right. our yeah. body. Movement um, is medicine is our favorite just, phrase. There's yeah. just science behind that, right? Oh, yeah, so if sure. we can Gotta keep move. that going, um, then even though, yes, we might have an injury, then ultimately the, the, the loading and the things that you're doing that you love to do are actually going to help your healing mm-hmm. um, and instead of an in- inhibit your healing. Um, and that's a lot of what we, you know, again, we'll try to figure out because the generally there's a, even though it doesn't necessarily make sense to the patient on how it's behaving, it's confusing and everything like that. There's generally a pattern. And so what we're looking for is patterns, um, which again, particularly like 
um, for endurance athletes, particularly like even triathletes there, you get a, you get a really nice pattern recognition because you have things in flexed positions, like in the bike, you have things in extended positions, um, like swimming and running. And then you have impact that occurs with running that doesn't happen with swimming. So you really have this, you have a lot of clues. Right along the way to really help figure out, okay, even if we can't do this one little thing over here, how can we maybe keep you in your, in your training, um, and at least keep you moving? Yeah. So it's like, Hey, it's, I'm not bothered at all when I'm riding my bike, but if I'm running that impact is now causing issues and you're like, okay, well that. So let's keep you on the bike while we're working on that. Yeah. The, The simplest way we start to look at it, and it really is pretty more simpler for triathletes. We look at flexion sensitive issues. That's more seated. That's mm-hmm. your bending over. That's flexion versus extension. That's bending backwards or at least upright. That's going to be swimming and running. So a lot of times backs are more sensitized to one movement versus the other. So we start off. So if someone's listening and thinking they can think to themselves, do I have a more flexion sensitive issue or yeah. a more extension sensitive issue? Flexion of course is, yeah, I'm okay. And the, like the more I ride, the worse it gets. Or it's okay, but after I'm riding, man, it really bothers me. And the more I sit, the worse it gets. And in fact, when I get up and walk, when I get up and maybe go on a jog, it actually feels a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And those people are even told, oh, you have low back pain. Stop moving. Stop walking. Like, no, no. That's like the walking is the most therapeutic thing you can do. That's the movement is medicine. That's the medication they need to take is walking. Versus someone who has an extension sensitive thing. They're going to come in telling us, man, I'm fine on the bike. I might Mm -hmm. get a little stiff when I come out of it. But it's when I'm running for a while that starts to bother me. I start to stiffen up. Um, or if I've been you know, swimming lap after lap, I start to get tired. And afterwards, I feel like my back is really stiff. And if I can just sit down, it takes the pressure off. So that right there, we can put people as a starting point into two categories. Gotcha. Flexion sensitive, extension sensitive. Mm-hmm. Extension sensitive, we can start looking more at someone's joints on the backside, the facet joints. Uh, we can start looking at certain muscles. That might be irritated from an extension sensitive thing. Okay. Flexion might be more some of the ligaments around the back, the discs. Um, if they're having pain going into the leg, maybe now we're talking about some nerve root issues, but it still may not be. Yeah. Um, but that we care more about a movement dysfunction mm-hmm. versus someone coming and handing me an x ray and saying, Well, I've, I was told I have an L45 uh, degenerative disc disease. And I've got a, I've got a disc bulge. Like this happens to us every single day. We have an L, I have an L four five disc bulge. My name is Clay Jones, and I have an L four five disc bulge. Like people, <laughs> like they wear a tag. Nice of, to meet you, Clay. Right, like that. They, like once they are told that, it's like that's who I am. I've, yeah. I've got a bad disc. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got a, this I got is a life I now live with. Yeah. Right. I got a labral tear. Like whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But for for the for the back issue, they're they're told they have an L four five disc bulge because they had back pain. They got an MRI, and it clearly shows that. I could pull up some research on my phone and I might do that here in a second to show you like most of us all, like I guarantee you all four of us right now, five of us here have some disc bulges in our back. It's just part of human life. We call it wrinkles of the spine. Um, But all of their pain is when they're running or swimming, it has no problem on the bike. And so I'm thinking, I know your MRI says you have a disc bulge, but if you had a, if you have an active sensitized disc that's causing your pain, you wouldn't be liking the bike. You'd actually love the run. And so they're, gotcha. they've been told to do treatments for their disc injury, but the disc is not the problem that showed up on MRI. Yes, but that's uh-huh. actually not the problem because that's, that does not fit the, at all the pattern that they're walking in with and telling us about. And we see someone who has a flexion sensitive disc issue. They're going to hate bending over and touching their toes. I have people all the time who told they have an L four five disc bulge. I say, stand up, reach down, touch your toes. They touch their toes. No problem. Have no fear, no pain. I'm like, Excuse me, ma'am. Your disc is fine. <laughs> like I want to tell you right now, your disc is good. Yeah. Like yes, I know you have a disc bulge, but you're fine. And they yeah. go, "What? Really? It's not an issue. It's yeah. not an issue. Like it's, it's just yeah, it's there. Maybe you've injured yourself in the past. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's not worry about it. Let's actually get into what's actually causing pain during your activity. Mm-hmm. Not let's just look at this X-ray or just look at this MRI. An image shows structure, not pain, right? Exactly, so yeah. you're, what we're getting is a image of the of the structure inside. So you're gonna see. You're going to see little, uh, you know, bits of, of wear and tear and, you know, and there's, there's study after study, um, that looks at that there's, you know, even, uh, there was one that they even did on the, for runners on the lower leg and like the incidence of, uh, Achilles, uh, degeneration and, uh, tendon tears and all this jazz. Mm. And these guys have no pain yeah. whatsoever. And they've done similar studies like for, for the low back. Right. So of course there's changes to the structure underneath that happens 
you know, from, from what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but ultimately it doesn't show pain. So it's important, um, that imaging, imaging is important. Um, but it's important that it fit a clinical picture. Um, and that's a really important that those two things match up so that how your pain behaves and how, and how it's presenting also matches up with, with what we're seeing on the, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people like saying, get, get the imaging done, and they say, oh, you have a problem. Yeah. But it doesn't match up. Did with, you have that problem before? That yeah, it doesn't yeah. really <laughs> match up with the, Come to think with the actual <laughs> manifestation yeah. of that it, it problem. It takes time to ask those questions, go through the movements. If you don't do it, yeah. you have to make a quick assumption on imaging. So on the so in the case of the person who has the, the bulging disc, yep. but the pain doesn't match what, what the, the image says, what 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 is your like go to after that? Well, we I always tell them I'm going to be respectful of what your imaging shows. We're not going to be cavalier and be like ah your disc is completely fine. Let's no, yeah we're going, to be we're going to be respectful of it, but we're going to go into the movement based exam. We're going to palpate. We're going to stretch. We're going to test muscles. Like we're just going to actually go into the exam and find out what they have. And if someone has an L four five disc but they don't match a disc presentation, when then I'm going to start looking at the things that they're showing up with. So we're going to look at their joints. We're going to look at their hips and say, I know you have an L four five disc issue, but when I go test out your hip, you have terrible hip extension Mm -hmm. and you have weakness in your psoas and in your glute muscles. And you don't know how to, you know, you have poor impact, uh, ability with your hop test. Like I don't really care what your disc is. Your disc is fine. It's the fact that you just, you're not moving well. And if we treat those things and fix that movement as medicine, it's going to fix it. And you're going to be back to, killing the races and feeling great. And we could take an MRI of your spine and you'll still have an L4-5 disc bulge. Mm-hmm. I could care less because that that's just part of living life. You're going to have this stuff, but you're fine because we'll, we'll treat the actual root causes. So when should a person work through the pain versus Never. when is it important to, <laughs> when is it important to say, all right, I need to go get this looked at. Yeah. Is there any set? I mean, I think yeah. truly, I, I, I think with the low back in particular, um, I think it's good to get that looked at. I mean, either mm-hmm. which way. I mean, I, you know, for a lot of other issues of like, hey, I got a little, I got a little ankle pain or something like that. I mean, a nagging, again, t- yeah, like a little, little nagging thing, little things like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, they can they can go away just as as fast as they came, but, um, you know, I think that what I think we see a lot too is that if you did have an issue at the back and you didn't do anything about it because it's such a central thing, oh, yeah. a poorly rehabilitated. Um, issue there can really have a domino effect. So, I mean, I'm a big proponent of probably an early, early treatment um, for that. And I would say early early diagnosis and then treatment. Go to a physical therapist first, though. I think that I'm a big proponent. Go to to PT first. Uh, Obviously. (laughs) Well, there there is a study that came out. Go straight to surgery. Yeah. (laughs) There's a study that came out, though, that looked at someone who has uh, an acute episode of low back pain. If they go get an image first, besides instead of going and getting conservative care, the research shows that people get imaging first, like an MRI, their disability time extends out than those who just go get conservative care first, because you go get an MRI and MRI is going to say something. An MRI will show something. Mm-hmm. And then people Often get, stalls you can time find it. too, right? It like stalls it can time. take like two we weeks get to get time. into it. Three like, weeks, four weeks. Like in the meantime, yeah. like, okay, fine, go get your MRI in 10 days, but we can do so many moves like movement is medicine. There's so many things you can do, but mm-hmm. The point is, like, if you get imaging first, that can delay your actual recovery. Um, but to the other question, you said uh, we use the red, yellow, green light system as a decision-making model, meaning red light is pain that's not good. We need to do something about it. Yellow light is, ah, oh, that's just some soreness. You're going to have that. You're going to have some pain. A green light is you're good. Mm-hmm. Let's progress. Yeah. So to answer that question, I would say for the lower back, if I'm staying in a lot of yellow lights, meaning two out of 10 or three out of 10 to five out of 10 pain, that's lasting for more than 24 hours and it stays yellow in your, okay. you're continuing your training. It's not going away. That's when I would definitely get that looked at sooner rather than later. If it's a red light that you're getting six out of 10 pain or more, you're wanting to take medicine. It's keeping you up at nighttime. Uh, you're, you're adjusting the way you move. Like when you're mm-hmm. running, like you're limping, yeah. you're trying to get on the bike and you're like, oh, I can't really drive that pedal was every time I push hard, 
when I'm going up the hill or something, you know, I'm feeling my back pain, like, okay, you're starting to red light stuff. Get that looked at sooner rather than later. Anything that's causing you to change your mechanics, uh, whether it's on the bike or whether it's running, like that's a hard no because yeah. our body is built in those patterns. Um, so you start moving outside of those patterns and then now all of a sudden it's really easy to kickstart another issue on top of oh, what we've sure. already got going yeah. on. So but that's a hard, hard Yellow no. lights that turn green, I don't worry about it. Like, yeah. I was doing some heavier um, squat cleans today and at the end of it for like the hour afterwards, like, oh yeah, I can feel my back. It was a three or four out of 10, but I was trying to like PR. Mm -hmm. And so I expected some yellow light pains, but I'm moving normally. I'm sitting down normally today. I'm fine. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. If I feel this for the next five days, yellow light, ah, okay, let's see what happens next time. If it keeps happening, I'm going to, I start to stare over here to, hey, take a look at this. <laughs> um, take a peek. But yeah, like people are like, that's the thing with endurance, with endurance sports, you're going to have pain. Um, and that's, pain does not mean damage. Mm -hmm. um, pain is perceived threat from the brain. Um, pain has a lot more to do with, you put pressure on a disc or pressure on a muscle. No, it's, it's perceived it's perceived threat. So it's okay if you're having some soreness, you're having some pain. You don't have to think to yourself, oh, no, I'm damaging my body right now. Mm -hmm. No, your body is trying to build tolerance. It's building strength. So pain's okay as long as we're, we, again, we go by that yellow light type. Gotcha. Pain. I don't mind if endurance athletes running and they, they tell me I have a four out of 10 pain. That's great. Let's just, but let's stay where we are. Let's not try to yeah. increase my mileage, increase my speed. Mm -hmm. Let's Keep be building strength load. first. Right. Yeah. You yeah. kind of hold steady. It. Like you can, okay, I'm at a yellow light. Like we're okay. We're going to hold steady here and try to get that light to turn green. Yeah. And then yeah. once you're in that kind of like, I mean, it's just nothing more than like a, a little awareness or a little whisper of it. Cool. Let's start to add on and progressively kind of overload that to get it to get yeah. it stronger, but that's stress and recovery. Exactly. Yeah. But I think a lot of this is that, you know, you also have to consider like the body is not like a set of tires, right? It's not like, you know, this is kind of my analogy of, you know, people are told that all the time. Oh, you're just wearing, you're just wearing things down, right? You're just, you're just strengthening. Um, you've got one set of tires for your you've life. You've got one set of right. tires. You're just wearing that's it down. When really the body is, is much more the engine, right? If yeah. you don't turn that engine on, if you don't get that fluid moving through the engine, the engine deteriorates. Mm -hmm. um, so if you just park that car and don't turn it back on, then, you know, you're, you're going to deteriorate that engine way faster yeah. Um, that battery's going dead for sure. <laughs> exactly. yeah. That ticker's gone. Right. We, we get people all the time. Now that we do treat a lot of higher level athletes, we get people ask me all the time. Oh, I bet you see way more injuries than you used to. And I'm like, not really. I mean, yeah, we deal with injuries for sure. But the injuries that I saw or the pain presentations that I saw from people who were sedentary all the time, like, man, they have to deal with a lot more, like a much more uphill battle. Like that's a lot worse and a lot more chronic or hard to come out of than, people are having some pains from doing like actually using their body and using that engine. So right. we always want to yeah, movement is medicine. That's our favorite phrase. Uh, we love when people want to stay active and push themselves, particularly with endurance type stuff. I think it's great. Yeah. I think, uh, we, when you broke yourself, I was just going to say, this reminds yeah. me of when uh, Dr. Downing, yeah, I was going to yeah. When you broke yourself and you were non weight bearing for like 10, 12 weeks, Ooh. Ooh, what'd you, break? uh, uh, my acetabulum, Oh yeah, that's yeah. a big Got one. Yeah. And it cracked through the pelvic root bone. It was not a handsome trauma. Is that a bike wreck? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. a. It wasn't even. It was a wreck. <laughs> no, it was. It was a dumb one. I was going over a wooden bridge and dropped down an icy. Like that backside yeah. was icy, and I just head yeah. of my femur just punched my hip socket. And for those not familiar with acetabulum, it's uh, <laughs> hip socket. socket for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it was actually the other one. It was when I broke my clavicle and my ribs. Oh, and I was right. like, I'd been yeah, on my the other couch one. for a few days. <laughs> and, uh, was that the one where you broke the, uh, spirometry record? Yes. <laughs> oh my yes, goodness. I did. It was my goal <laughs> what before I left. Yeah. They're like, the only way you're getting out of here is if, uh, your lung capacity is good. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, my lung capacity is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About to break challenge. records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, I, I was chatting with Dr. Downing, uh, from St. Jude and I was like, man, I've not gotten up and like, two days i've been on the couch like just a ton of pain he's like your body's meant to move get up and start walking around i'm like yeah well well okay <laughs> yeah. i was feeling sorry for myself and he's like get up and move Pretty like sure. i called you a sissy too uh, well we're not gonna go <laughs> full details here but it's the yeah, same thing we, you're saying each time you said that i'm like that's exactly our body responds well to movement our heart is an amazing pump and so if you're having an acute issue swelling inflammation it's hanging around if someone has injured their back 
and like they really can't move very well like if they're if they're sitting fine can we get them on an arm bike or like mm-hmm. a seated an assault bike type thing and just get their arms moving yeah mm-hmm. um if they've injured their arms can we get them on a bike and just pedal because you get your heart rate up it just does wonders for your body when it comes mm-hmm. to the healing yeah. aspect of it well and actually like taking your body through a range of motion. The people that just sit all the time, you slowly start seeing those shoulders coming forward. And the the number of issues we see with folks just from not doing strength training, which we'll dive into before this turns into like a three hour long. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To speak of some of those common things that we see and we identify um, athletes who don't like to run Mm -hmm. triathletes and they love, they maybe love to ride Mm -hmm. and they become stiff in that more seated flexed position particularly in their mid back, when mid back gets stiff, um, then they have a heart and then they, if they sit all day, then in a job, they come home and they sit like your body gets adapts to that position. So your hip flexors are going to get tight. Your hip, your glute muscles are going to have a hard time doing their job in the opposite direction. Your mid back can't straighten up. So you put a lot more stress on your lower back. So like one of the number one things we want to see our endurance athletes, particularly who triathletes who ride is you need to take your body through the opposite range of motions mm-hmm. that you're doing when you're on the bike. Like you need to yeah. be on like doing a Cobra, like a yoga move where you're mm-hmm. on your stomach and you're pressing up, taking your back into extension, get on the foam roll, hit the mid back into extension, and then do some strengthening of your mid back. Um, I've listened to you guys podcast about the strengthening. We love front squats, uh, deadlifts, farmers carries, anything where you're really engaging your full spinal muscles in a good postural position. Like that's the key, not just the stretches, but then strengthening is what really mm-hmm. loads it. That's key for in that good rides. position too. In the being good position, huge, yeah. yeah. And during the House of Pain, we always talk about spinal positions, kind of part of our mental checklist. And so um, you would—I mean, you would believe—but uh, <laughs> for those of you listening, you would not believe the number of. So this year we had what a hundred just cyclists just over, yeah. in the in the program. And they don't all get online every night, but you know, we'll do some like stretching and stuff afterwards. Yeah. And I always throw this test in just to see who who can and cannot. Um, but very few can like bend at the waist and not also cave in at yeah, their their mid back. Mid back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like we t- you know, we talk about spinal control and the ability to kind of uh, hold your upper body weight with your spinal muscles. They're, yeah. they're meant to do that. Yeah. Right. Good and, deadlift form. And so many people who are even, even experienced cyclists mm-hmm. cannot bend over without also giving way. Collapsing, yeah. 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 It's inc- and incredible. Pelvic positioning control. Can they yeah. hinge yeah. at their, at the pelvis and yep. be able to keep that? Like that's a, that's a big one for people. I'm sure that plays a lot in bike fits too. Yep. Like, you know, trying to get their, mm-hmm. their pelvis oh, yeah. there. So, yeah. And even gl- those people are the same ones that suffer from glute activation issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and it's more, nothing more truly than probably a, a positional thing. You mm-hmm. put any muscle in a weird, you know, in a weird position, it can't, it can't fire that well. Yeah. You know, it's not like the, muscles incapable of it it's there yeah, that's it what can we do see its thing but yeah with, with sarah we were talking about beforehand like people who are riding they get off the bike and their body's so used to that position they go try to run and they're still over in that flex position mm-hmm. yeah. and there's no way they're taking advantage of their posterior chain their glute muscles their hamstrings even the calves because they're staying too tight their body's just they don't have that movement awareness or movement capability mm-hmm. and well and that low back is their hinge point yeah, yeah. The, that yeah, point yeah. one of the big problems that i see weekly in bike fitting is that the position of the saddle is, uh, usually tilted, either tilted improperly to where their pelvis is tilted backwards mm-hmm. versus forward. So your, your mm-hmm. chest is down here and now your seat is cueing your body to rotate your pelvis backwards. Like so there's like a yeah. disconnect yeah. Tailbone between under, yeah. your yeah. lower back and your mid back. And I mean, I can, I can probably, you know, 80% of the time, just retilt the saddle. And they're like, oh, that's Feels way better. better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah right. No. See, that's the kind of thing that that's just such good information because I'm going to go back to the point where people will go get an MRI. They'll say, oh, you have a disc issue. And you think, oh, no, I got to stop riding. No, you just need to tilt your seat forward a few degrees. And like, just yeah. in too flexed of a position yeah, there like for that, too long like periods. Find how the body moves and fix the movement patterns. That's what you got to focus on. Well, the other the other side of that is that you know, like you said, like when you're sitting in a chair, I just I call it chair mode. You're I'm in it. Yeah, you're 
you are not only you're rotated back, so you're also putting the most pressure possible on your sit bones. Mm-hmm. And you know, when a when a muscle takes like pressure and it's getting added stretch to it, it's not going to fire with a lot of force. You can shut a mm-hmm. muscle down by pressing against right. it pretty hard. So if you're tilted, you know, have that rearward tilt, and you're just putting all that pressure on your sit bones you're crushing your lower back and you're turning off your glutes. It's the worst possible scenario uh, for a bike position. So we always try to get it to where the pelvis can tilt forward and kind of create a a little bit more seamless uh, transition from low back to mid back. Um, But it also tilts you off your glutes. And so you have a little bit more balance between sit bones and pubic bones. Yep. And you, your glutes open up and they start working again. And yeah, better position. It's all good. You get yeah. more power, yeah. you get mm-hmm. less back pain. For us also, just to, to the, the swing the pendulum the other direction, is those who, as we see a lot of athletes are also type A, they want to do everything right, so even they want to sit well, so their posture is really good, and they tend to go into an arched extended position. Uh, we see a lot of ladies with this, if they have a background in gymnastics or Pilates, that kind of stuff, uh, people who do yoga, and we tell them, you got to slouch. Um, because they, they keep their back too tilted, arch forwards, and now they're loading the muscles and joints on the backside in a way that actually sensitizes that. And so again, those are the ones you're going to say, I feel fine on the bike, but when I run, I'm like, man, you're Uh running, like you might be overcompensating or overarching. And even then, if you overarch, you're also now putting your position, your hips in a hard, hard opportunity to work as well there too. So either way, the hips are going to have a hard time working if you're staying in one position too long and people's anatomy is different right like your mm-hmm. hips are shipped they the shaped differently than mine and all of ours are right so yeah. you know different um different people <laughs> of course you do uh <laughs> people have naturally different postures and neither one is good you know it, uh, neither one is better or worse than the other one they're just a little different so it's how do you if somebody is uh kind of stuck in a rut you know, in the, in a movement rut, right. Of like, they're only just in this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyclists are horrible about that. Yeah. yeah. Then that's where the you, you start to see that, run. that, yeah. that yeah, exactly. pattern. So you gotta, you just gotta get out of that movement rut, yeah. tilt their, tilt their tailbone a little bit this mm-hmm. way. And all of a sudden, Oh, okay. That should, that changes the game. And that's, that's our main treatment. That's what, yeah, that, that's, say, what, we're that's, that what they, that's what we're looking at. That's what we do. It's like, let, that's where you have to listen to them, watch them, observe them, see what their patterns are. And do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we swing the pendulum a little bit different direction. So, okay, let's stay away from that for a little bit. Let's find ways we keep you moving. If your uh, hips are not, not activating well, let's start to get them kicking in. Let's start doing some strength training for those guys. If your spine is stiff into extension, let's start, you know, we do a lot of manual hands-on work. We'll do a lot of mobilizations into extension. We get them doing self stuff at home. But then we know we can't just say... We, we can't keep the pendulum swung the whole that direction. We have to bring it back to the middle. Mm-hmm. And then we start to strengthen their body to get back into those seated positions. Like that's the thing that I think a lot of athletes are told who have pain bending forwards or have a disc issue is don't ever do it again. And we're like, well, I'm going to do it because I like to ride. And so we that's where we really implement strengthening into those positions. That's where we find the best treatment for them is movement is medicine. Stronger movement is the best medicine. That's my new favorite phrase. Mm-hmm. So if all you do is flexibility stuff, you're not going to maximize your body's potential to really heal and then maintain performance and long, you know, longevity. You have to strengthen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly for people who have back issues, there's this myth that you got to be scared. You, you should be careful with lifting mm-hmm. heavier stuff. And let's just stick with uh, bridges and bird dogs and core exercises that just target the abs. We're like, yeah, that's great, but you kind of need the posterior chain too. So let's do some deadlifts. Like we really got to strengthen you. Again, we're not going to be, uh, we won't, we're not going to be cavalier about it. We got to be respectful of that healing process. Mm-hmm. But man, if you want to be an athlete, you got to be strength training. If you have back pain, you got to be deadlifting. The number one, they did a research study looking at what are the best core exercises that activate your core muscles. Deadlifting was the number one. Not a sit up, not a plank, not a crunch, not a bridge, not a bird dog, not a single leg bridge. All that stuff is great. But if you really want to get the maximal core in activation strength, it's a deadlift. Um, and you, so we work everybody towards mm-hmm. that. And that treats that teaches that movement pattern that you're talking about, Dale, because mm-hmm. it brings in your upper body, your mid back, your core, yeah. your legs, just brings in everything. So I, at what point are you like, okay, this person's say a cyclist that comes in, they've got the rounded back, you know, they're almost like most people are probably sitting right now if they're listening to this. At what point do you say, okay, we need to get your your body mechanics, your mobility to a point where we can now 
have you doing deadlifts? Day one. I mean, it depends, <laughs> depends on their pain. Yeah. But um, we're going to get people moving with those. We're going to get people strengthening and meet as soon as possible. I'm not looking for perfect posture, perfect mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, to load symptoms guide that a lot of times, right? Like, Like, so there's sensitivity. There's some people that are always going to have a stiff mid back that were never like they've been there for too long or maybe it's part of their genetics. It's ingrained in their head. It's ingrained and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you then work on good mechanics, good hip hinging and you ask them where they feel it, if they say, oh, it's my lower back. Nope. We're going to make sure we, we tweak things. We'll change their form. We'll have them engage their feet a little bit differently. We'll change yeah. the posture. So they say, Oh yeah, I feel that my hamstrings, my glutes, like we're not going to wait till someone is like this perfect specimen of posture and movement yeah. before we load it up with strengthening. Cause that's that, that's not how we'll it never goes. get there. No. And that's yeah. what, that's what I love. Like when I went to the Ironman, we had athletes there and I was watching all these athletes come in and off the bike and, you know, go on the run. I'm like, you have young and old, all different types of postures, all different types of mechanics and movement patterns. And I just love seeing the variety of the human race doing this amazing thing. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to, all it says is if someone's like, well, I'm just kind of a stiff guy and I'm going to have a hard time getting perfect posture. That's okay. But let's load you up and let's strengthen what we do have. And there's so many things you can do to strengthen and be safe and do it in the right way and feel it the right ways. And that's the big thing. Progressive overload, yes, right? Progressive. You're not going to listen to this and go say, well, let's throw a 225 on the bar right. and let's, uh, let's, let's smash some deadlifts. No, like exactly. Progressively getting to that point. I yeah. think a lot of people, like they, they'll get an injury They'll go do physical therapy, and then then what? They like never God, get bless. so much clamshells, so many clamshells. <laughs> and you know the way I would put it is they never get beyond muscle reeducation or right. that phase right. where you're 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 getting the they muscles get to load. turn back on. No. Maybe they're they're you know they're awake now, but yeah. you, they're gonna fall they're right back weak. asleep yeah, if, they're, exactly. if you don't give them some sort of if you don't change more load, patterns, more stimulus. I mean, particularly if you 100%. think about endurance athletes, like what, like a, a triathlete, a runner, what you get there is a whole lot of body weight, light, so lightweight, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, body weight, high rep, right? You do tons it. of reps, yeah. tons of reps, yeah. <laughs> thousands of reps, right? Of body weight, high rep, right? So if you think about balancing your training, right, then slow and heavy is the perfect balance for fast and light. Um, and so if you're, you've got all this fast and light over here, this, this slow and heavy can really be helpful at building your body's ability to take that fast and light over and over and mm-hmm. over again, you know? So it's like, it's really trying to help people, um, you know, to, to kind of help find that balance. And to your point, uh, take them past the initial, like, Hey, we're going to get things moving. I mean, I'll, I'll do that. Like it starts to say like, if we're in kindergarten, we're in kindergarten, right? Like that's just, that's where we are, but you do have to take things and progressively overload them mm-hmm. to get them back to, uh, to those higher loads because if they're gonna if they're gonna go on an 11 hour race like they gotta be able to take that there's gotta be yeah. some load bearing but yes. Yes. fatigue resistance but Sarah I went and did that once and I was sore for like five days and I couldn't <laughs> run or ride yeah so why would I keep doing uh, that it hurt my performance I, it is uh, you have to you have to be strategic about <laughs> yeah. how you're fitting that in right and I like and there I think that there's to, like to the strength training point, there's uh, a strategic planning of where you maybe no. even put that into your yeah. training. Like if you're in the midst that. of like, oh, yeah. hey, I'm in a, I'm in my peak season right here. Yeah. Um, no, that's not a great time for me to be like, let's get you in the gym three days a week, and I'm gonna really yeah. like crank Four things weeks up out here. From your big event, yeah. you know, <laughs> you'll love it. So you've got to. I mean, when in in my position, I kind of have to work around that a little bit, knowing people's time constraints, people's training constraints. Um, and, and I truly think it goes back to, um, understanding and relating to the person in general and knowing what their goals are from the start. Mm -hmm. And I've had very realistic conversations with athletes of like, Hey, we're four out, four weeks out of Boston, right? Like we're not going to fix this in four weeks. Like our, we're in a, like, we're in, you know, damage control, like yeah. mitigating, like let's get you through this like once in a lifetime race. Yeah, let's get to the start. Um, and then, and then once we're kind of on the back end of that, cool, that's where we can kind of come back to this stuff. But you have to lay the stage for that, mm-hmm. or else the person doesn't know to do that, right? Yeah, so yeah. it still has to be or a they're big worried. part of they're the like, conversation. Yeah, they're yeah. they're worried about it. So addressing that on the front end is huge. Yeah, like, okay, well, it's okay to work through this, and then we'll. Ad- 
Yeah. And that's, it's helping people. That's where you really love that red, yellow, green light system. Oh, for sure. If yeah. someone's sore for five days, I'm like, okay, is it change? I mean, yes, you can't bend over and touch your toes because you're really sore in your hamstrings from going heavy, but that's going to clear it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. That was a yellow light. So it's progressive overloading yeah. and priming the body. It's the same way that you're not, I'm not going to tell myself, Clay, let's go run 15 miles right now. No, I'm not. If I did that, I might could get it done, but I'm going to be sore for a long, long time. Yeah. It's the same way of telling, I'm not going to tell an athlete, Hey, let's go lift heavy immediately. Day one, you start off easy, build your way up, build that tolerance, but your movement is medicine. Your body's strong and resilient. You need to keep lifting. That's okay. Be smart about it. And the more you do it, the more your body gets used to it. And then if you have good coaches who like, you know, uh, program that well, we find that if you go heavier with less reps, as opposed to killing yourself with tons of reps and lighter weight, that's going to make you more sore and kill your legs when you're trying to run versus just trying to be smart about your training and, you know, maintain really good power um, and not trying to go for PRs, but just maintain that good strength if you're in peak, you know, season. I mean, I've found that the the athletes that we can actually get to do the heavy lifting, we can, we can keep them lifting heavy until like four weeks out and then mm-hmm. we kind of dial it back. Yeah, it's yep. part of but the taper, once it's once it's a part of their program weekly programming, it doesn't affect them right. anymore. It's you know, it yeah, you're gonna be sore. You know, we always say there's if you're new to it, there's gonna be like a six week period where you're gonna yeah. be pretty sore for a couple of days afterwards. But that's we usually try to get people to do it in the off season when mm-hmm. it doesn't right. matter. After yeah. the goal race. Yeah. Take a few uh, weeks off and then let's But then the once gym. it's again, once it's a part of their program, you can lift as heavy as you want. And it's, you know, you might be a little sore for a day, but right. it's when you like totally like are doing nothing, no strength training for, you know, months, and then you just want to jump right back into it. Like pump the brakes. Yeah. Are there I'll certain personality types where you're like, I'm probably going to be seeing this person again. <laughs> do you know it on the front end? They like come in and endurance. You're welcome to, to Nick. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're trying athlete, to tell you, you about what's wrong with them and how you should be, or how All they should of be you treated. People. <laughs> but to your point, I would yes. say like, I, I, a lot of times we'll tell people, I would prefer you to continue to lift heavy and less often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have people drop down to like, Hey, just give me once a week. Yep. Um, as opposed to like, it does not have to be more than that. I think that we have this misconception of like, oh, it has to be, you know, it has to be a lot more than that, but um, it really doesn't. So I'll have people drop down in frequency yeah. even um, and that sort of thing. And that, that can a lot of times help yeah. with, you know. Yeah, it's it's nearly impossible to get triathletes to, well, to like so put the time. strength training in there. That's hard. So if they're going to do one day a week, yeah. I try to get it to be the heavy, the heavy day. day. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not going to do heavy lifting, I try to at least get them to do mobility work to where the, you know, that's mm-hmm. the opposite of what they're doing yeah. mm-hmm. every day of the week. Yeah. You know, at least give them some balance. Yeah. yeah. Give mm-hmm. them, make them move laterally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. How many times have we had one side step? How many times have we had, endurance athletes go and try to play basketball or soccer <laughs> oh, and just gosh. first i mean just blow knee out of gone, Achilles ankle or gone knee, yeah. Achilles <laughs> gone just, yeah. it's been at least five. Oh my gosh yeah mm. especially cyclists oh yeah yeah one of the uh movement screens that we do with runners um athletes just any endurance athlete is includes yeah movements on all planes yeah and we look at their lateral plank uh endurance mm-hmm. and you can really like you'll see people we do a step down test um but even then when you go on a single leg which brings in the lateral component you start seeing all these compensations and things are caving in mm-hmm. we do a single leg bridge you'll see their back arch their hips drop you're like oh man we need to spend more time and some strengthening that involves yeah multiple planes mm-hmm. but that lateral plank test uh you see people just really struggle um, give them a, a straight route, straight plank. Oh, they can go for a long time. Mm-hmm. Particularly endurance athlete. They're like, I got this. Yeah. Put them in a lateral plank and they're like, Oh my gosh, this yeah. is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you have to shore up those things and to bring it back to like treating low back stuff. Like this is the stuff that fixes issues. Mm-hmm. I don't care about, I do care. I'm being happy. I don't care about your x-ray <laughs> MRI. Cause I see it so much. It's like a passion of mine. They're like, hey, don't worry about it. You're gonna be fine. Like let's find your movement, movement. Your body is strong. We can figure this out. But this is the therapy. That's the rehab you need to do to fix the issue and then get it to stay away long-term. If you're going to keep pushing your body this way is you have to be doing that 
strength training because the number one core exercise is a deadlift. You need, mm-hmm. if you have back issues, like, you know, I referenced it earlier, I had uh, pretty decent back issues for 10, 12 years. Um, even as a PT, I was still dealing with it for a while. It's not until I actually got even more into my strength training in the past five years that my back issues really almost bottomed out yeah. to where like, I have no pain. I'm like, because now I'm actually freaking lifting heavier yeah. weights and that's the best core thing that I've done. And it's given me confidence in my movements, which is the psychosocial aspect. My fear of my back is way less. Mm-hmm. And so then when I hurt my back uh, in the recently, like, oh, fine, I'll figure this out. I'm gonna get back to it. And going back in that strengthening, that's the real key mm-hmm. to keep people being an endurance athlete until they die. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is the therapy that they need. So uh, re- recently I was told that I have, I, I was having some bad back pain that I, and I, I have been very lucky to, well, lucky. I made sure that I don't, I haven't had very many injuries in the last 15 years that have sidelined me. I mean, maybe an easy, you know, take a day easy, that sort of thing. And finally, like this last year, I had this back pain that pretty much prevented me from running, swimming, uh, and I could ride okay and whatnot. So I ended up going, get it checked out. And I was told I have some sort of I can't even say Ooh, the word. Spondylolisthesis. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I had a stress fracture as a kid. A lot of people do. And uh, that, it's way more common than people realize. Yeah. That that vertebrae is pushed forward, and that the one below and above it are kind of crunching down on it. And let's use the uh, and the ones above and below it have decreased space. Yeah. Okay. It's not <laughs> crunching. They're they're killing me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. But you know, my first. Um, well, my first thought was, I better get back to lifting heavy, or this is yeah. going to turn into a worse issue. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the last the, few months, I've made awesome. sure that I'm back back in the gym doing front squats, doing yep. uh, some deadlifting and, and heavier lifting, just to make sure that the structure Supported. is yes. as strong as possible. That's awesome, Dale. Like, uh, great study that was done, gosh, probably a few decades ago. Um, the number one predictor of chronic low back pain they looked at MRIs, x-rays, how big is the disc bulge? How big is the nerve pinch? Uh, how tired are the muscles? How li- The number one predictor of chronic low back pain is the person's belief about themselves. If they believe that they are weak and that they are fragile and that they are, their spine is damaged and they're going to die, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they, they're they yeah, catastrophizing. Those are the people that Spine's have chronic low slip back pain. straight off the pelvis. Uh, yeah, my, my L4-5 <laughs> is now slip forwards and yeah, I'm going to get paralyzed. I better not move. Yeah. That's the number one predictor of chronic low back pain. So just hearing you say, oh man, I got to get strong. I've got to help my body. Like that right there tells me, oh, okay. Someone coming in and tells me that, like we can work with this. Yeah. Someone coming in telling me who catastrophizes even if their x-rays or MRIs were clean and show nothing, I'm thinking to myself, Ooh, this is going to take longer because I have to treat mm-hmm. those psychosocial components for low back pain versus someone who says, let's get stronger. I'm like, yes. Great. Yeah. To that end. Like, I think if you're going to treat endurance athletes, like one thing that has got to be on your radar is a bone stress injury. Cause it could have, you know, if somebody had picked it up in you or you, right. And like, you know, if you, if you got somebody that's recognized like, Ooh, okay, I think that this is what you're dealing with. Right. And you treat that well on the front end, instead of that just going untreated of, Oh, it's just a tendon. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. And then they're continuing to train like a a bone stress injury is one of those things that will change the game there a little bit. It's probably for me, like probably one of the most common of like, if I'm dealing with that, everything else is kind of in this bucket over here. Mm-hmm. And then a bone stress That's injury you rest. is yeah. like, yeah. is over here. And yeah. you have to know <laughs> when to, to recognize that. Um, and those can, I mean, it can what be, are some of the signs it, of that? So like, what is the, what is the, uh, that point where you know, you kind of know that it's, that's where you need imaging. That kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean the, a, I'll speak, I'll let you kind of speak to a pars fracture in particular, like, which is a, the spinal, uh, like vertebral vertebra fracture. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll let you speak to that. Pars fractures are, happen- are really going to happen in your high school athletes. Um, you see them happen in college. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me Typically too. young adolescents. When I was in Seattle, this was like the main patient that I see. We specialize in that. Um, so middle school, high school, sometimes elementary, but um, it's a weight bearing sensitivity, like all stress fractures. It's a weight bearing sensitivity. Um, 
those athletes are going to have pain with, particularly the pars. It's a certain aspect of the vertebrae that comes under stress as your body is growing. So you see it when people, when girls are going through puberty, so a little bit earlier and then versus when boys are going through puberty, they're going to, you know, they start puberty a little later. So that is going to be one of the main signs. It can happen when you're 17, 18, 19, mm-hmm. it just does, but it's not as often. Most times when you pick it up as a 19 year old or 22 year old, ah, oh, they probably had that when they were younger. They just didn't realize that's what was going on. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's, it's running, jumping, twisting. Um, I saw a lot in our soccer players, football, uh, runners. It's, they say, yeah, it's when I go to run, the more I run, the worse it gets. My back really locks mm-hmm. up on me. Um, but it's, it's a weight bearing sensitivity. How do you feel sitting? Well, at first they don't, it's, it starts off with, they don't mind sitting. It's fine. Uh, it's more when they've been active and yeah, then yeah. you take him and for the pars in particular, it has to do with, I can get real clinical here, but it's when you, it's more an extension based thing. If they've been backwards, that's going to cause that mm-hmm. pain. Yeah. Flexion feels fine unless they've been going on for a while and gets really irritated and everything kind of hurts. Uh, they're going to be tender, the palpation, sometimes, not always rotation based stress test. You can respond, can be painful. Um, and that, that's the main things I'm looking for. Stress, um, and, and stress fractures, I mean, including like, I mean, one of the most common that I'll pick up is just hip, hip stress fractures. Yeah. That's more um, common as you get older. That's sure. probably like, yeah. at least well, within in the, the endurance, end. in the endurance world, yeah. is that going to be, and, with, and that can refer to the lower back, but you know, lower, yeah. hip area more yes. if it's a hip thing. So it's not going to be as much kind of, you know, in the, in the lower back, um, in all likelihood, but, gotcha. um, but you can have, you know, you can have a, a, a sacral, uh, stress fracture as well. Yeah. You know, those are, it's, it's not really as common. Um, so, you know, those are, that's not, you know, it has to be on your radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and truthfully, I think you just have to understand how the system works because a, a, a bone stress injury like that is, it's not just a mechanical thing, right? It's a, it's a system problem. So it has to do with hormones. It has to do with nutrition. It has to do with sleep. So you have all of those other factors at play. Um, but as a, a practitioner of endurance athletes, you have to be asking about all of those factors. Mm-hmm. You have to be, yeah. because that's going to, a lot of the diagnosis of that, you know, like, I mean, it can look very similar to other things. It can yeah. look like a tendon. It can look like uh, a muscle. Um, you have to ask about those factors because those are the things that are going to make you go like, oh, yeah, that really fits this this yeah. stress injury pattern, and and if you've got enough that makes you think that, then that is it's out. an appropriate time for and imaging. That's the one where a lot of times X rays miss that stuff. Yeah. So people come and say, "Well, I've had an X ray of my hips and it was fine." I'm like, well, that's, that's not, not going to show it. That's not going to yeah. show that. You really need something specific that a physician will know the ins and outs of that. What's an MRI or a CT scan? They'll they'll be able to really tease out the exact image that's needed there. Mm-hmm. Then, for physical therapists, that's not our uh, scope. We say, hey, this just Smell sounds looks like we're doing some type of stress injury. Yeah, this is the one thing that we need to actually rest if that's what's going on. Yeah, and they still and need PT, but it's going to change. It's yeah. going to change what I do exactly, which means I need to know if that's what's there causing that issue. Yeah. Gotcha. And there are areas, uh, you know, there are areas where stress fractures are less of a risk, right? Like there are low risk stress fractures. There are high risk stress fractures. So I mean, anything that's on that higher risk side, so sacral. Um, hip, uh, certain areas of the, of the foot words. and the ankle It's the stuff you, yeah, you don't want to miss that because mm-hmm. you're, you're potentially, you could, that, that person could end up in a in really bad situation. Yeah. Um, so that, that should be on your radar and you should be, you know, sending out very yeah. quickly. Thankfully for sacral stress fractures, rare St- pars, stress fractures of the spine, rare when you get older, you're going to start irritating other structures first before you get to that. Like in your case, you might've had a stress fracture. That would have a stress fracture. You would have had that when you were younger, but now your body may have been sensitized to when you started having back pain recently, but it probably wasn't the bone that was causing the pain. It was something near that, the facet mm-hmm. joint. Those are the things yeah. that are going to be the source of pain at that point. Yeah. I don't know. I think I was like 14 or 15 when it happened. Yeah. 15. I, all I did was lift heavy. Back then. <laughs> I've been lifting heavy since I was like eighth grade. So, yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, uh, right. you know, so I probably cracked it lifting heavy and then, um, didn't do much about it. Yeah. And then I've always been sensitive to extension back extension. Yeah. You, when you said, uh, <laughs> running and swimming, not that bad on the bike. Oh, there's an extension sensitive yeah. issue. Yeah. Like doing it like a Cobra stretch. Yeah. Right. Not your favorite. Very little mobility there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, gotcha. So, do you mean to do the cobra? Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Uh, only if I can do the hissing cobra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. So, let's. 
I mean, I, I think we've kind of prevention wise, probably pretty similar to the treatment side. Should, of things, we, right? yes. should we get the horse out? Lifting. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lifting it. weights. We should all be lifting weights. We should be going heavier. The yes. bodies are meant to be loaded. Yes. Um, you know, for those that aren't, this would be about the 14th time we've really tried to stress the importance of yeah. strength training for it's, it's athletes. a common myth out there mm-hmm. that is still not been put to bed. Yeah. Like, you I'm need... going to get too big and bulky. We hear that one. Oh, it's like... right. we hear that too. I have people <laughs> tell the calories time. you're burning? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so, so good for you. Where can folks find you guys? We are uh, on Broad. That's where our clinic is at. Um, 2637 Broad. Um, we, uh, you can find us online at www.901pt.com. Instagram, 901pt. Um, that's how people can get in touch with us. All up on that um, Insta. We have an active social media. My wife's in charge of that. She runs that, does an amazing job. So people, we have a lot of uh, helpful tips, um, things that people can go to as resources on our YouTube page too. Um, we have that. So yeah, that's how people can find us. There's, there's a little humor there too. I catch every <laughs> once in a while a little sense of humor. There. Yeah. <laughs> it's always nice to see. Well, we appreciate you guys kind of yeah, giving your time up yeah, and, you so and chatting about this. I mean, there, I mean, there are endless topics in the world of uh, injury and and prevention of injury so we appreciate you guys uh, absolutely hanging out with us today and we appreciate you appreciate everyone hanging out listening watching and we'll catch you guys next time adios peace